This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by John Platts, the Stanford football color analyst on the Cardinal Radio Network. He dives into his keys to victory for either team, but also gives us an inside scoop on the Cardinal and their quarterback, Tyler McKee, and what we can expect from Saturday night's matchup between the Cardinal and the Doors. We also give you our three keys for the Commodores offensively, as well as three keys defensively. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 107. It is September 17th, 2021. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Will, here we are, week three, Stanford and Vandy getting set Saturday night, 7 o'clock kickoff on ESPNU. Where's the feeling right now, Will? You, you feeling confident about tomorrow night? Confident is definitely not the word I would use. Um, when we get into this breakdown, these are two teams that are very, very tough to get a read on. And you look at their past matchups in week one and week two, and they don't really coincide. And then you look at the teams they played, and their week one and week two performances also don't make a lot of sense and or they were playing FCS programs. So there's a lot of question marks headed into this game, even though Stanford is a 12-point favorite on Vandy's home field. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and they will be answered on Saturday night. They will. There's a lot to talk about. We got David Shaw's comments that uh, turned some heads uh, on West End. We'll talk about that. And we'll re- reveal no longer. We will kind of... Uh talk about that and just kind of mourn over that for a little bit uh Stanford preview of course coming up and we'll talk about our three keys on offense and three keys on defense also to close out we've got John Platts he is the Stanford color analyst on the Cardinal Sports Network he will give us the inside scoop on the Cardinal before Vanderbilt and Stanford kick off before we get to breaking news though don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report like us on Facebook subscribe to our YouTube channel our podcast is available on anchor iTunes Spotify and Google podcasts and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes it's time to preview Stanford when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's breaking news is brought to you by Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is the go-to shopping destination for Vanderbilt gear. Stop into their Brentwood location at the Hill Center or shop online at alumnihall.com slash Vanderbilt dash Commodores. A special 10% discount is awarded to students and military members. Plus, all year round, Alumni Hall carries brands like Nike, Johnny O, Champion, Yeti, and much more. 
even better with an excellent selection of women's fashion. Alumni Hall is the one-stop shop for the whole family. Help support Vanderbilt Athletics by purchasing your black and gold gear from Alumni Hall. Stop by their store in Brentwood at the Hill Center or log on to alumnihall.com slash Vanderbilt-Commodores. All right, Will, you just heard it there. New breaking news uh, segment sponsor, Alumni Hall. So we're uh, very excited to announce uh, our partnership with Alumni Hall. Uh, They are located in Brentwood. Only at Alumni Hall, you will receive a free gift with your purchase of $50 or more. You'll have the option of choosing between Vanderbilt pint glasses and slim can koozies for your game day drink of choice in Vandyville. This deal is only valid in store, so be sure uh, to stop by Alumni Hall on 201 Franklin Road in Brentwood inside the Hill Center. Their doors are open from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., so don't forget to stop in before Vandy and Stanford kickoff tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So, Will, again, uh, we're really excited about Alumni Hall, huh? Excited to keep growing, Billy, and it's just uh, excited to have them on board and definitely check those guys out because I was – browsing their website a little bit and they've got some nice throwback stuff with some old Vanderbilt logos and some shirts that I might be uh, checking out pretty soon here. So definitely go check those guys out both online and in store in Brentwood. Yeah. Perfect for uh, Vanderbilt and Stanford tomorrow night. You got plenty of time to run in there over in the Brentwood area. Will, before we get to the Stanford preview though, no revealed this week, which was quite, uh, I I think Vandy fans have every right to be pretty pissed about this. And and it was, (laughs) It was pretty heartbreaking. Uh, After a win, waiting to see the next Revealed episode every Wednesday night became a tradition during the Franklin era, even all the way through Coach Mason, except for last year, of course, for obvious reasons. But, Will, this is – there's not much more to be said. This is a very – a big disappointment. And for fans that had kind of latched on to these videos during Franklin's uh, tenure here and even Coach Mason, some of his big wins, not being able to do that – They have every reason to be pissed off. I still go back, Billy, and watch some of those old reveals, whether it's Tennessee in 2013, Tennessee in 2016. You have Kansas State 2017 is a classic one Mm -hmm. to go back and watch. It's really disappointing. As many things as had had been done wrong with this football program as far as marketing and uh, that side of the program, this was one thing they got right. And we have been on board with pretty much every change that Clark Lee and Candace Story Lee and Tommy McClellan have decided to make strategically within the marketing department, video department, you know, changing the image of Vanderbilt. But this was something that did not need to change. And this is one of the few things that they've done so far that I can look at and say that was the wrong choice. These were universally loved by Vanderbilt fans. And I think if they had been marketed correctly, how they kind of are doing now on Twitter and Instagram, you're seeing a change, you're seeing sleeker video content, more in-depth, consistent content that's high quality and easily shared. I think if these revealed videos were marketed correctly, I think you have potential to grow a pretty good following because it provides an insight into the players and coaches and preparation and really makes you feel like you're part of that win after you were either there in person or watched it on television. So this is something that I'm very disappointed about, Billy, and I know we've been texting back and forth throughout the week waiting for that reveal that appears it's never going to show. No, and uh, if it hasn't already shown up, it's not shown up uh, anytime soon. And and Will, the the thing is about it right now, I mean, that was a 10-minute video a lot of times. I mean, that was a long production, and it took a lot of work. 
but what they've done this week, they basically put out a two minute highlight video uh, for fans to go back. But, but like you just said, there's no inside access there. That's simply highlights and really good video footage, which with, with uh, the Vandy boys mm-hmm. production team, they've done a tremendous job, but um, again, no revealed and not sure. I'm not going to put the blame on anyone specifically. I'm not sure who made, whose call that was um, to, to say, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. I don't even know if they really looked at it that way. I, maybe, maybe, um, you know, they, there's as some plugged people- in as plugged in as they seem to be with the staff and, and this administration currently in the athletic department, I would say this was a this was a decision. Made. They had to have been aware. This of isn't it. this isn't something that just slipped through the cracks. This is the pretty much the only tradition really that carried over successfully from the James Franklin to the Derrick Mason era. Yeah. So this is something that is 100% a decision. I don't know who made the final call. I don't know if it was a combination effort between Clark Lee and the marketing department made this call, but it was the wrong call. And I, I don't, a lot of times I think we are a little bit positive because we are excited about the direction they're heading, but this was the wrong call. And when you see a wrong call, you have to call it. I don't want to mince words on it. So I, I'm very, very disappointed in, in the marketing department, the video department and, and this choice. Yeah, we'll see if if they kind of uh, you know were a little late to the party. Maybe we do see something to this extent throughout this. Hopefully, season. I but, hope yeah. all this. I hope all this first segment sounds really dumb, and they release <laughs> something out similar to either tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, but I, I'm a, really doubting it at this point. Maybe it's a massive like mini docu series and all the wins after the <laughs> season or something. All right, well let, let's dive in. Massive with <laughs> all the wins. Let's dive into Stanford, the Brain Bowl. A lot of people are, are pegging this one, Stanford and Vanderbilt. It's a top fifteen matchup. Uh, in the U.S. News rankings, if you're going by the academic rankings there, 7 o'clock Central Time here in Nashville, ESPNU, Clay Matvick, Rocky Boyman will have a call along with Tiffany Blackman controlling the sidelines. You can listen on 93.3 FM in Nashville. Will, Stanford is a 12-point favorite at Vanderbilt, and this is the first meeting between these two teams, which is crazy to think about. Um, and it's Vandy's first game against a Pac-12 opponent since UCLA in 1961. So both of these teams wow. are, are, are very unfamiliar with, uh, with themselves, but also their, their uh, conferences that they're in. And the last time the Commodores hosted a Power 9 conference opponent, Kansas State will, 2017. You remember that one, don't you? That was the last time that stadium felt like it has the potential to feel each game. And it felt like during the the Franklin era, there was excitement. So don't mention that Kansas State game to me beforehand, because, Billy, I'm already driving up to Knoxville tonight to watch Tennessee Tech play Uh Tennessee, where I graduated from. I will be leaving that game when it inevitably around the third quarter is a four or five touchdown game, driving back to Nashville three hours and going to that Stanford game. So... Let's, I want let, it to be like the Kansas State game with that type of commitment. I want to see at least one win, even though uh, ESPN and the gambling lines tell me I will not be seeing a win. Let's hope Tennessee Tech uh, competes and they and they, uh, they make your morale high on your drive uh, over. The yeah, West I was game. I was up there in 2016 when Tennessee Tech took on Tennessee, and the game uh, didn't didn't go too well. Didn't go too well for the Golden Eagles, so I can't <laughs> imagine that at this time is going to be it really any different. Say hello to Joe Fisher though while you're up there. That, that, uh, maybe maybe get a little selfie. That, that should be uh, should be a, a fun matchup, but also. 
this one, Stanford and Vandy. Uh, Vandy's coming off 24-21 win, of course, at Colorado State last week, thanks to 38-yard field goal from Joseph Bullivis. Stanford will. We've talked about this. They're coming off a 42-28 win at USC, where they averaged seven yards per play. So they steamrolled the Trojans. And uh, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. But, Will, before we dive into this breakdown, I have one more thing, a little history lesson for you. I don't know if you saw this. Here we go. On Twitter – Great piece from Hunter Long uh, in, from the, in the Vandy Hustler uh, within the last uh, couple days or so. But, Will, this should be the second time these two teams have played. You know why? It dates back to 1982. So this is from Hunter Long's article. Just eight years after the 6-6 tie at the Peach Bowl, Vanderbilt went 8-3 and on the season. They accepted the bowl invite to the Hall of Fame Bowl after they beat Tennessee 27-16. We've talked about that season a lot. Mm-hmm. Air Force will, on the other hand, was the second choice for this bowl game. Stanford was the original invitee, but after they lost to Cal on the infamous band on the field play, the bowl committee changed its mind and invited Air Force. I, I know you didn't, uh, you didn't know that. I didn't know that before seeing this article, but it's funny. Hunter says, funny how things work out. So this should be the second matchup between Stanford and Vanderbilt. And I read that and I said, wow, I- I'm sure – I'm sure Vanderbilt would have loved a shot at Stanford, but their uh, their band uh, ran on the field, so they can blame blame the band. But that's uh, that's your history lesson, Will. For, uh, for yeah, that, that is actually pretty fascinating, Billy. I had no idea. As much as we've talked about and researched that 1982 season for Vanderbilt with everybody we've interviewed for we that, that team, and it just being, I can't. That's that's pretty crazy, actually. So, congr- good job, Donner Long, the VU hustler. <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool little tidbit there going in. Yeah. Um, I think this game might have had a little more intrigue and some more storylines if Derek Mason, uh, when this game was oh, originally yeah. scheduled, was the head coach. That was I, the idea of this matchup. Yeah. But also Duke and Northwestern are playing this weekend, Billy, yes, since are. we're on the note of other matchups. I think there should be some type of rotation with Duke, Northwestern, Stanford, and Vanderbilt that, that each of them should each play. Each other. You could maybe include Wake Forest in that mm-hmm. if you wanted to um, and maybe find another sixth team in a Power 5 conference, a higher-level academic universities. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a pretty cool thing to have a, a tradition like that that you can include these teams that are kind of swept under the under the rug within their mm-hmm. conferences, within these Power 5 and these bigger brands. I think this would be something unique to do at the beginning of the season that you'd be able to have on ESPN and you'd get some coverage around the battle of the brains or whatever you yeah. want to call it and coin <laughs> that day that all these teams schedule their, their non-conference matchups. Yeah. What are the odds you got Northwestern and Duke uh, as the same weekend as Stan- Stanford and Vandy. So uh, really looking forward to, to seeing how those shake out. Cause that could, you know, obviously Northwestern's a favorite over Duke Stanford's a favorite over favorite over Vandy. Uh, but how, how long is that, um, that that gap between Stanford and Northwestern. So, uh, and David Shaw, of course, kind of uh, he he uh, he he had some opinions on that. We'll, we'll touch on 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 his comments. Uh, Will injury report though? Michael Warden is out with an ankle sprain. Uh, so again, who knows? Uh, Julian Hernandez uh, came in for him at center and 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 worked there. Do we see Kiva Wesley? Uh, we'll see about that. Ben Bresnahan has not been declared out, but it doesn't look good for him. Uh, I would think it's precautionary measures likely saving him for SEC play. Uh, There's not really a reason to get him banged up even worse um, against Stanford. You got Georgia next week. So um, there's the injury report, but um, we'll a little bit deeper in this matchup. We've got a lot of things to talk about here. We, 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 this is probably the most research we've done in any podcast. Um, You really, you really did your research on the Cardinals. So coming into this matchup, what can fans look at and, and, 
what can we expect from this Stanford team? Because looking at this, these first two games so far, I have no clue what to, what to expect. So you're finally hitting the part of the year. You have two weeks of matchups to look at. So you can, you don't really have a feel because a lot of these teams have played FCS programs, whatever it may be, but you can get a little bit of a feel of the talent level and where they're going to kind of rank in the pecking order, maybe a little bit at this point. So initially I go to matchups and and look at a team that I obviously have not sat down and watched a lot of Pac-12 West Coast football. And you look, I knew they got dominated by Kansas State 24-7 week one. Um, and then they come out and dominate USC 42-28 in week two, get their coach Clay Helton fired, um, which was pretty amazing to fire pretty someone shocking. after going one and one. I understand that there were some issues within that fan base, yeah. but that was a pretty bold move week two. Um, so then you look at Kansas State and you say they, got, they lost week one. So maybe Kansas State's really good. Well, Kansas State week two snuck by FCS team Southern Illinois 31-23. So you say, okay, we don't really have a read on Kansas State whatsoever. And then you'll get USC, who dominated San Jose State week one, 30-7. Okay, don't have much of a read on USC either. And then you look at San Jose State, who then dominated FCS opponent Southern Utah. So we know nothing based on the matchups is basically what I'm saying, because we don't know anything about Vanderbilt either. So then I just went back and watched through that game against USC. Um, and I am and I know you want to touch on things as far as a little more ordered here. So do you want to start here with Billy yeah, with the so, offense? Yeah, offensively, uh, I know we don't know a whole lot, but we do know that Tanner McKee has a lot of talent. And, and he was really efficient against USC. 16 of 23, 234 yards, two touchdowns. And their running back, Nathaniel Pete, six carries, 115 yards, and one touchdown as well. They also have a really good receiver, Elijah Higgins, uh, who had a touchdown against USC. So, um, again, Will – I think USC is still trying to find out who they are, like a lot of teams this time of year, uh, you know, especially Vanderbilt too. It's, it's only week three. But uh, for this team right now, they're showing a lot more, um, you know, a lot more spread looks. You know, they're not the same Stanford where they're just going to line up and, and maul you. They will do that. They will still do that occasionally. Um, but Tanner McKee is a guy. He's long. He's 6'6". He sees over the line. And, and if Vanderbilt can't get pressure on him and, and can't impact – uh, his vision, he could have a field day. Um, so, it, well, that's what I know offensively about them. Um, and, and defensively, they've got some talent in the secondary. Um, but, but right now for Stanford, this is – we're going to learn a lot about these teams, I, I guess, is bottom line. You know, we're, we're going to find out a lot. Stanford, you look at that final score, 42-28 against USC, and you're thinking this offense is pretty explosive. they got to be putting up a lot of points. they got to be have some pretty explosive playmakers on the outside, whether it's the running back or the offensive line is dominant, or their quarterback's really efficient, really, really good and proven, or their receivers. That's not really the case for Stanford. Um, you watch that game, and it's kind of one of those games Tanner McKee came in um, after their initial starter in week one, Jack West threw two interceptions and was terrible, absolutely yeah. awful against Kansas State. Tanner McKee came in and he's performed really, really well since then. Threw for 234 yards, two touchdowns against USC. Mm. He has not thrown a pick in 41 pass attempts and he's a sophomore coming in, but he is an experienced. Mm. And that running game for Stanford, and we'll go back to the quarterbacks in a second, mm. but to start off the running game for Stanford, looks a lot better statistically than it really should. They opened up that game, I believe, at the nine-minute mark in the first quarter against USC by breaking off an 87-yard touchdown run. Well, on the entire season, Stanford has 180 yards rushing. Yeah. Um, on, a, on Let me um, find it here, on 52 carries. So you take away that 87 yards. So on 51 carries, this team has 93 yards rushing. 
um, if you take away that one explosive run mm. they had, which just was kind of a fluke play. Yeah. Vanderbilt has to contain that because that has not been successful for Stanford and their quarterback getting back to Tanner McKee. He reminds me a lot, and I don't want to don't want to say this, and I don't mean necessarily he is as good at this point. He reminds me a lot of Kyle Shermer. Um, he's very, very slow. He is very flat-footed in the pocket. If Vanderbilt can create pressure on him, he's a statue back there. It's going to be the issue, the same that we had with Kyle Shermer, which was if you can give him time, mm-hmm. if he can sit in that pocket, roll to the right, roll to the left without pressure in his face or coming at him, he's extremely effective. But he is not very fast, and I think that's putting it kindly. So creating pressure for Vanderbilt and then just controlling this run game and limiting that explosive plays that they have the potential to make, the Stanford offense is not very good. Um, they moved down that field mostly due to penalties, and they won that game against USC mostly due to penalties. USC was the fifth most penalized team in the entire country in week two. Wow. And Stanford only had 27 yards of penalties in that entire game. So it was 115 yards versus 27. That is why wow. Stanford won plain and simple. It was penalties. There was no other reason. USC really outplayed them a majority yeah. of the game outside of one pick six that their quarterback threw. So that is going to be what it takes to stop Stanford is don't commit stupid penalties. This yeah. offense is not good. Tanner McKee is a okay quarterback. Their offensive line is not good. This Stanford team should not be a 12-point favorite over Vanderbilt based on when you look at that roster. So I got a little got a little more detailed there than I really wanted to. <laughs> well, when you, I was you, watching through when I was watching through that game, Billy, it's, and and watching through the Kansas State as well, it's hard to watch that game and not look at it and say Vanderbilt has the talent to compete with this team. Yeah, um, and they're not twelve point twelve points worse than Stanford. I can tell you that. No, they're not. And and Will, you got into a little bit of the keys, and we'll dive into uh, mm-hmm. those a little bit later. But I do. I still think this Stanford team is. I think their O-line has potential to, to you know, kind of not dominate the game, but impose their will. And, and if you're David Shaw coming into this one, you're looking at that saying, okay, ETSU was able to impose their will on Vanderbilt. And, and Colorado State at times, Vanderbilt's defense did a lot better, but at times you saw, again, where Vanderbilt's defense was just kind of overmatched. So if you're Stanford, you're David Shaw, that's that's your game plan um, from my point of view. And, and oftentimes, they'll, Will, they'll go with eight down linemen and just try to maul you. And, and you know, they, they still do that. But, Will, defensively for Vandy, it's going to be interesting to see what Jesse Menner sends at McKee. How many different um, mixed packages are you going to see? You saw some adjustments, of course, at halftime against Colorado State. But with Coach Lee's experience facing Stanford while serving as the D.C. at Notre Dame, I'd expect to see a sound game plan from Vandy Will on that side of the ball. I, I think I, I, nothing's going to surprise Clark Lee in this game. He knows what Stanford's coming with. And, and especially now offensively, Stanford's offense isn't the same offense the, he, may, he may, have, may have been facing two, three years ago. But still, he knows what David Shaw brings. And, and Clark Lee is going to have his team ready. Will, the question becomes, though, as it always is, can the players execute? Um, so that kind of brings us into – you did get into a little bit of the keys. Um, but – Vanderbilt offense, three keys. And, and again, we, we have some of some of uh, some similar keys here, but um, number one, go ahead. Be remiss, uh, Billy. Billy, I think we got a little out of order there. We got to we got to preview a little bit oh, of Stanford's here defense here. Yeah, we got to get into Stanford's defense. Oh, we, wow, we got to focus on that. Side. That's that's going to be the key matchup here is going <laughs> to be a Vanderbilt's able to effectively move the ball. But go ahead. Stanford's defense, 
it sounds when I'm going to give this preview, it sounds a lot like how we described Colorado State's defense. Obviously, this is a power five team with more talent than what Colorado State was working with. But the but the storylines surrounding this defense are pretty much the same. Right now, they're giving up 192 and a half yards rushing per game. That's something Vanderbilt has to improve on right now. Ramon Davis is averaging, I believe, four and a half yards per carry, about 66 yards rushing per game. Mm-hmm. That has to get up. He has to go over the 100-yard rushing mark, and he has to be rushing for over five yards carry. That's going to be a key because that, that defense is susceptible to that, and Vanderbilt kind of got that going towards the end of the game there against Colorado State. So Michael Warden is going to be a big loss there at that center position. But that offensive line looked like they kind of began to click there against that talented Colorado State front seven. And Ken Seals actually had time to throw the ball. But they do have a talented pass rusher, uh, Thomas Booker. He was an all-Pac-12 first-team player going into the season. Um, He has three sacks and seven tackles for loss through two games. Uh, so pretty good stats there. Um, so Vanderbilt is going to be a key is containing him, keeping him out of the backfield and keeping him off of Ken Seals and allowing these guys to go through their routes. And we saw if, the, if Ken Seals does have time and they're allowed to execute these longer downfield routes, Vanderbilt does have potential to create explosive offensive plays, even though they do rank dead last in explosive passing plays in the entire SEC. Or I believe maybe it was actually 13th. I uh, could yeah, be wrong above Tennessee. Bottom. Yeah, not not very high in the cellar. So um, allowing time for Ken Seals there against what is a talented front seven. But this this is a good Stanford defense. Um, they yeah. gave up 28 and 24 points. It, it's a really, really similar preview and kind of matchup as to what we said going into Colorado State, in all honesty. Just Stanford's quarterback can't run, and Colorado State's quarterback, that was his main focus, was getting out of the pocket and containing him from scrambling. So that's the main difference, but really the preview leading in um, it's going to follow a lot of those similar storylines. Yeah, and Will, the matchup in the trenches is what I'm looking at, too. Stanford's really big. I mean, their O-line's huge. Their D-line, of course, is is, is going to be uh, a threat. But uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores, they're going to get their opportunity to show if they can compete with the big boys up front. I mean, that, that that's really what it's going to come down to on Saturday night. Stanford is going to try to impose their will. They're going to try to bully Vandy. Are they up for the task? Are they up? For the challenge we're going to see and it's really good prep for georgia next week by the way just throwing that out there mm-hmm. um don't want to make you think about georgia yet but uh we will let's have keep to... that off in the distance and let's focus on stanford <laughs> yeah we will we will have to talk about that next week but will it's time for the keys uh keys three keys offensively three keys defensively want to try to run through these somewhat quickly uh and again some of these keys we have similar keys uh, but right now what's your number one key offensively for vanderbilt saturday night Number one, once again, same keys post game after the Colorado State game last week. Same game, same as my number one offensive key going into the Colorado State game. No quarterback rotation. I want to see the offensive game plan simplified like it was in that last two minutes and in the second half for Ken Seals. And I don't want to see Mike Wright rotated in randomly throughout the game. If that happens, I might lose my mind, Billy. And I really don't want to lose my mind in that stadium again after I already did it when he rotated the quarterbacks against ETSU. But you cannot rotate the quarterbacks after the game Ken Seals had handing him that game ball after he just led the team to a victory. And I just, if, if he rotates in Mike Wright, not in packages, if we do see Mike Wright in packages, I will be okay with that. I want to see Mike yeah. Wright utilized because he offers a unique skill set, but he should not be utilized within the normal offense just starting out a drive. So that is by far my number one key, Billy. 
I agree, Will. Uh, I'm kind of on the same mold there, but give Ken some early confidence. Give him some confidence through the air, whether that's through a screen pass, a bubble screen. We talk about this a lot, but, um, you know, going deep on Stanford, you know, first few drives, I'm not sure that's going to give him a whole lot of confidence, but, you know, and, and, and we've seen him have success with those deep balls with Shepard and Pierce, but I want to see maybe maybe a bubble screen, maybe a, 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 a crossing route just to give him a, a few confidence passes uh, to get to get on track. So that's what I'm looking for, both offensive uh, in the same mold. But, Will, I think you're going offense, too, for, for key number two. Yeah, you have to get Ramon Davis going early. I commented on this when we were going over the Stanford defense. They're giving up almost 193 yards rushing per game. And that's something that Vanderbilt has really struggled with, is having a consistent running attack in the first two games this season. Against ETSU, they really, really struggled to open up those holes. And against Colorado State, at the beginning of the game, they, they were struggling to do anything offensively, and that was obvious in the score. And once that passing game kind of opened up some holes for Ron Davis, the offensive line got going, was able to get a push, get some confidence. I'm, I'm really concerned, and this goes in to my second key as well, is I'll actually save save that for third third save offensive it. key there. But getting Ramon Davis going early, in order for Vanderbilt to win this game, he has to average over five yards per carry and have over 100 yards rushing. Um, him oh. and Rocco Griffin have to combine for at least 100 yards rushing. And mainly to really win this game, it's going to have to be Ramon Davis, which if he's averaging over five yards per carry with over 100 yards rushing, that means he's probably busted off a couple big gains, which has to happen. So... I don't want to see them come out conservatively and run the ball a lot, but get him in some open spaces, whether it's on screens, pitches, different unique ways to get him the ball, whether it's jet sweeps, get your guys in space and get Ramon Davis going. So that's key number two for me. For Vandy to win, he's going to need a Keyshawn Vaughn type of performance, mm -hmm. I think. You know, he's going to need over he's 100. Due. He's, he's due, due for one. And, and he's looked really good, Will. He I hasn't think... looked bad. I believe he's ranked like fourth or fifth in the in the conference in yards broken tackle percentage. So he's looked good, and he's averaging four and a half yards a carry. He just hasn't had that game. Yeah. I mean, it's not – he's had a good start to the season. It's about what I expected. He just hasn't had that one big run that will really get him going, get the confidence of that running game going. So, please, that, <laughs> that's what I want to see, please. <laughs> you will make Will happy, Ray, if you, <laughs> if you, if you go off Saturday night. But, Will, yes, I, I'm, I'm kind of going along that same trend. My key number two is limit pre-snap penalties offensively. They improved a little bit against Colorado State. ETSU, there were way too many, and you still saw a little bit more against Colorado State. But on that offensive line, it's not going to be as loud as it was in, in Fort Collins. You have, you're, you're playing at your home field, home turf. You've practiced there all week. Settle down. Limit the pre-snap penalties. I think that's going to uh, give the offense a little bit more confidence. You don't have to worry about some of those pre-snap issues. Will, you're, you're staying with the offensive line for key number three, are you? Yep. A key number three. Offensive line play. It's a very broad 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 key number three and i think that's a key going into every game so i the reason i have it as an actual key because it sounds dumb to say it is because of the injury to michael warden is snaps the snap has to be on target you cannot have any snaps in the ground you cannot have any snaps over ken seal's head you cannot have that happen because even if it is not a turnover it's a dead play and a negative play that kills drives and vanderbilt does not have the type of offense that is going to be able to recover from losing seven eight yards and being or even four or five yards and being in second and 14 second and 15. that's not a situation this offense wants to be in against an opportunistic Stanford defense that does not have an incredibly explosive offense on the other side of the ball. And that's how turnovers happen with a pro turnover prone quarterback in Ken Seals. So 
the snaps have to be on target. And I kind of think that might be my number two key ahead of the uh, Ramon Davis. Uh, oh, so, so you're making a little switch there. Yeah, I think okay. Ramon Davis is number three key. Offensive line getting the snaps is okay. uh, the second key. Okay. Well, Behind Coach, no QB rotation. Clark Lee, no QB rotation. <laughs> if you're listening to this, do not rotate the quarterbacks. <laughs> well, we'll see if he listens. Uh, he but, won't. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> AJ Blazing. Coach Blazik will is going to have a he's he's had his hands full a year, but that offensive line they're going to have their hands full Saturday night. Will my last key offensively win one on one battles on the outside with Pierce and Shepard because if they did Pierce did that against Colorado State. I mean that throw from Ken that was not a great throw, but he found a way to make that catch and Shepard had a really nice grab as well. If they can even have two each of those, I think Vanderbilt's going to be in a good spot. So. Chris Pierce, Will Shepard, if they can win one-on-one battles on the outside, Vanderbilt's going to be in good shape. Defensively now, Will, three keys here. What is your number one key for Vanderbilt's defense if they want to win Saturday night? I hit on this previewing Tanner McKee and his lack of mobility, but defensive line disruption. And this is not just talking about necessarily getting sacks on the quarterback but getting pressure on Tanner McKee he's a sophomore he's inexperienced he doesn't have great mobility his pocket presence is okay but he's a sophomore so and he's played from either behind in a game that was already pretty much a disaster and then he's played in a game that he was playing ahead the entire time against USC against a team that was really kind of self-imploding with a lot of those penalties and a lot of that game plan from Clay Helton that ultimately resulted in him losing his job. So getting pressure on Tanner McKee, because the I'm telling you, you guys are going to see it when when you watch the Stanford game. If, if anybody listening out there is not watching the Stanford, you are going to see what I'm talking about when I say he reminds me of Kyle Shermer, a young Kyle Shermer. So getting disruption on him, I think if one thing goes negative for McKee early, uh, he's only seen success so far getting disruption, making him throw an off-target pass, and maybe Jalen Mahoney can come up with another one of those diving mm-hmm. interceptions uh, to get McKee off his game early. Jalen's going to need another one of those uh, if Vanderbilt, uh, or anyone in the secondary, really, but Jalen has has been uh, a very good contributor defensively. Will, my number one defensive key is the same exact as yours. I looked at that and I said I couldn't agree more. Um <laughs> Elijah McAllister is could be the X factor defensively. I know Davion Davis is the leader, but he's not as long as Elijah McAllister. And playing against a six foot six quarterback, you're gonna mm-hmm. have to find a way in there. You just somehow get your hands up, affect the quarterback. And if 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 they can do that, even with guys like Alex Williams and Malik Langham and, and just finding a way to get back there somehow and affect Tanner McKee's rhythm. Because if they can't, it could. I think offensively, he could find a lot of success. So I completely agree, Will. Defensive line disruption, uh, number one key. Number two, what is yours? Mine, I think we're somewhat similar here. But uh, again, secondary, I think, is where you're going here. I think I'm actually going to do a swap on my Another uh, 13 swap. second key. So this is my wow. number two main key, uh, which I already touched on, is limit penalties. Um, I, I already used, said the statistic of USC was the fifth most penalized team in week two. A lot of those were penalties that caused Stanford to move down the field in key moments or key downs. So this is going to relate to the secondary, but a lot were PIs um, that were, I don't want to say questionable, but right on the fence. And Stanford's receivers seem to do a pretty good job of selling uh, those penalties. So you have to limit penalties. That is why they were able to 
beat the number 14 team in the country by as much as they did. Mm -hmm. Stupid penalties in the secondary, and you just can't have those boneheaded plays like offsides allowing them to have free plays. Limit those, and and you're going to give yourself a chance to win in this game because this offense from Stanford – and it is not explosive. They haven't shown explosive potential in the first two weeks. Now, they could come out against this Vanderbilt defense and prove me completely wrong, and Pete, their running back, could come out and just immediately bust another 87-yard touchdown run, and then everything I'm saying here just blows up in smoke. <laughs> but if you limit penalties, the Stanford team is going to struggle to cross more than three touchdowns on the board. They're going to struggle to score over 21 points. If you're Vanderbilt, so you if you're have Vanderbilt to will... capitalize on that. Yeah, if you're Vanderbilt, you can't put any gifts under the Christmas tree for the Cardinals. Yes. And and no pun intended, uh, Matt Scott. Not sure if he's going to be there, but uh, again, you can't you can't give them you can't give them anything. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to go on Stanford's best offensive weapon defensively. You got to lock in on whoever that is, and and they they may not even have a, a go-to guy like Colorado State did and Trey McBride, but. Their offense is obviously it's going to be a lot tougher to stop than Colorado State just because of their physicality. I would say that it's the two-headed monster, Nathaniel Pete and Austin Jones at running back. Uh, if Vanderbilt can, you know, don't expect them to stop them, but if they can contain them somehow, limit the big plays, limit the gashes that they that they were prone to against ETSU last home game, if they can limit those, I think this defense will be in shape. And again, um, you know, halftime adjustments are always key as well. Number three, Will. What's your last key defensively here for the doors? It's going to be the secondary continuing to play well, and that's going to relate to not getting stupid penalties right now. I believe Vanderbilt's right around 83rd uh, with about 62 yards per game in penalties. Stanford is sitting there with only 46 yards per game in penalties, and the secondary has to continue playing how they have been playing. Now, a lot of that has been due to teams um, that they have played in week one and week two have been focused on running the ball against them but they're giving up under 190 yards per game passing. And that's an impressive statistic, especially when you faced off against Colorado State, who has likely one of the one, two, three best tight ends in the country and Trey McBride there who caught for 114 yards. And you still have the statistic of holding teams to under 190 yards passing. So they need to come up with at least one turnover, one interception. That was the key jumpstart to that Colorado State game. Um, on top of that last drive from Ken Seals at, at, to end that first half. So doing more of the same that they have been doing throughout the year, but a lot of that is going to come down to the defensive line, which was our first key, being able to contain that run game and forcing Tanner McKee to get in second and long, third and long situations and not allowing them to just pound the ball against the against a defensive line that hasn't proven they can stop it yet. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same uh, mold there again with the with the third key, but halftime adjustments. I touched on it a little bit. Jesse Minter, it, a lot is going to be on his shoulders. Once again, defensively, does he disguise a little bit in the first half and then bring out a little bit more for the second? You know, who knows? Uh, Jesse Minter has has proven that that he can do that, and he he he. He can work well with this defense. He made plenty of those against Colorado State. So I'd say for me, Will, halftime adjustments. And Clark Lee, how how much more of an imprint do you see with his hands on this defense? Because he played Stanford and he knows what they're going to bring. Um, but you could also see some 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 mixes there from David Shaw. So it's going to be an interesting chess match uh, between Shaw and Lee. So there it is, Will. Offensive keys, defensive keys, and uh, I think all we've got now is some predictions, unless you've got anything anything else before this. 
that's all I've got. We've run right. through pretty much everything. We've got segment two coming up with a little bit more of even a Stanford preview uh, with John Platts there, who, who was, uh, I was unable to join that interview because uh, you decided to schedule it at 10 a.m. while some <laughs> of us have to work and have jobs. Um, yeah, my bad. So not, all, not all of us have the free college student uh, life going on. So <laughs> Just wait. But, Just wait. Yeah, I think all we've got left, Billy, is uh, are we going to agree or disagree like last week? Yeah, I think some fans want us to disagree because <laughs> it, it, it caused a victory last week now I, i'm not gonna not gonna release yours I, I'll, I'll release mine first so we can pr- provide some more anticipation for this but will i picked vanderbilt to lose last week and and i was not i wasn't confident in my pick but i was going to be i wasn't going to be surprised if they found a way to prove me wrong and they did that they did that three point win i've got vandy winning tomorrow night 24 21 or no that's 28-24, rather. I'm just going to say it. Stole your pick, my bad, Will. I was reading the wrong part of the script. <laughs> that, that's a huge mistake. I'll take the blame for that. But <laughs> Tisk, uh, tisk, tisk. Shame, shame, Will, shame, shame. <laughs> hey, we got the anticipation out of the way. That's that's a huge mistake, <laughs> mental mistake uh, from me. Those are the type of mental errors we cannot have Saturday against <laughs> Stanford, those kind of mental errors, Billy. Tighten up, brother. If if Vandy plays the way I'm podcasting, it's it's not going to look good. But <laughs> well, I've got Vandy 28-24. I, I just think this is a big time hangover scenario for Stanford, coming off a huge win over USC on the road. This is a night game in Nashville. Of course, not expecting a great an environment or atmosphere, but it's the first trip to Nashville for Stanford. Long trip all the way across the country. Clark Lee's team is not going to back down from anyone. They won't back down from from Georgia, Florida, but they're definitely not going to back down from Stanford, and I don't think they're going to let the the home crowd down again. I've got Vandy 28-24. Ken Seals plays well again, but the defense is key in the second half with some Jesse Minner adjustments that we talked about last week. So Vandy 28, Stanford 24 in Nash Vegas, Will. There is no way I was going to pick a win even if the game played out exactly the same way against Colorado State, Joseph Bolivis misses the field goal and they lose in overtime. I would have predicted a Stanford blowout because I think this team would have come out and played tight knowing Georgia is coming up the next week um, because they know that losing streak is growing and growing. And eventually it just feels like if, if they have to wait all the way until UConn for a winnable game at that point, that at some point you're going to be talked about as the longest active losing streak in the country. And that win last week gave them the ability to not think about that anymore. You can just go out and play football. So this is a long trip for Stanford. I think Vanderbilt has to start fast early. I gave the key in my prediction last week that I want to point out again, 24 to 20 was my, or 24 to 20 was my prediction. Vanderbilt won 24 to 21. So I was one point off. I would love to be one point off on my prediction again this week, which you already spoiled is 24 to 21 Vanderbilt beating the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, The reason I have is that Vanderbilt defensive line started playing extremely, extremely well at the end of that game. And they were starting to disrupt the, the Colorado State offense. And Tanner McKee, I think, has not faced a lot of disruption. And a lot of things have gone really smooth. And when things are going smooth and you see Vanderbilt coming up on the schedule, who already lost 23-3 to ETSU, you tend to, as a younger player who's seen a lot of success early, kind of take your foot off the gas. Um, and I think if they can disrupt him early, I think it's going to rattle the team um, who's maybe looking at that and saying, maybe Stanford or USC wasn't as good as we thought. 
Um, and they have to capitalize early because it is that long flight and those teams on those long traveling trips tend to start a little bit slow. You saw that with Vanderbilt against Colorado State. So I hate that I'm doing it because I can also, the other side of me can see Vanderbilt going out and being completely unable to move the ball. And I can, I can legitimately see a score of like 31 to three happening in this game in the, in favor of Stanford. Um, now I, I'm not predicting that, but I'm saying if it goes in that direction, it's not going to shock me, even though I am predicting a 24, 21 Vanderbilt win. Uh, this is a pretty defining moment for Clark Lee. I oh, would yeah. say you've had the, you've had the super low down, you've had the really high up. Now, can you maintain that by not necessarily winning the game and continue going up, but at least competing, looking competitive in a primetime slot there on SEC Network at 7 p.m. ESPNU. And come out there and have a ESPNU. There we yeah. go. Our, once You're again, good. another mental mistake, Billy. We are <laughs> we are not prepping well. The Vanderbilt Vanderbilt offense and defense better prepare better than us uh, with a few of the things we've done reading, reading off of here. So. Um, there you have in it. that primetime slot, he has to prepare well. And, and this is going to be indicative of what the rest of the Clark Lee season of team one is going to look like. So there it is. You saw it win one for team one last week. We both go with Vanderbilt winning. Will it, will it come back to haunt us? Will it come back to bite us? We'll see. We'll see. Billy, we'll, you were we'll, supposed to pick Vanderbilt to lose. You're over two. You're supposed to pick them to lose. Hey, so that I, way was, you can I was the first one to pick them. Hey, if, if, if this comes back to bite us, I think we'll both take the blame. We've made mental mistakes already. Uh, Sunday's recap should be a lot better. That's all I'll say. Well, that pretty much does it. Uh, again, that, that, there's our predictions. We both pick Vanderbilt to win again. Uh, tail of the tape. First meeting between these two teams. 7 o'clock kickoff in Nashville. ESPNU, Stanford, and Vanderbilt. Stanford, a 12-point favorite. We'll see if they cover, and we'll see who gets the win Saturday night. But coming up. John Platts, the color analyst for Stanford football on the Cardinal Radio Network, coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to our interview with Stanford football color analyst John Platts from the Cardinal Radio Network, it's time now to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report alongside John Platts. I'm Billy Derrick and John Platts is our guest now here in the interview portion of our podcast. He is the Stanford football color analyst on the Cardinal Radio Network. He actually played basketball at Stanford, graduated uh, from the university back in 1984, and he will have the pregame coverage along with Scott Reese starting at 6 o'clock local time here in Nashville on the Cardinal Radio Network. Really excited for this Stanford-Vanderbilt matchup. John, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. Billy, thanks for having me. Looking forward to our chat. John, I want to start. Uh, I, I, th it's hard for me to imagine this is your first trip to Nashville. Am, am I, am I wrong in that? Actually, you are wrong. Um, wow. I, with, with Stanford Athletics, this is my 32nd year uh, doing Stanford sports. With 32 years doing basketball, my 11th year doing football. So I have been far and wide. I mean, Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Cancun. I mean, we, Stanford <laughs> sports would take it. I mean, I, I feel very, very fortunate actually, but never 
Never to Nashville. We have been to Memphis. Okay. Uh, for the NCAA tournament, but not to the not to the fine city of Nashville. So happy to be here. Yeah, really, really looking forward to this matchup. Of course, Stanford and Vanderbilt kicking off uh, seven o'clock local time here in Nashville. I want to start with kind of the particulars in this matchup. Another road game for the Cardinal. Uh, this is their seventh in a row dating back to last season, of course, uh, a shortened COVID year. But from your point of view, John, how do you think Coach Shaw is approaching this matchup with Vanderbilt, especially with these two teams, similar in academic standing, of course, top 15 national matchup if you're going off the U.S. News rankings. Uh, but how do you think Coach Shaw is approaching this matchup? Well, Billy, I, I think it's going to be like almost every other matchup he has. I mean, as you probably know, there are coaches who are, are you know, adjust to the opponent and uh, have a you know, panoply of schemes that they'll deploy depending on whether this team does this or this team does that. Coach Shaw is is kind of an old school coach. He has an NFL pedigree, you know, worked for the Raiders under, under John Gruden before he got into college coaching. And uh, he believes in a strong run game and in defending the run. And if you look at, at Shaw's history as Stanford's head coach, which dates back to 2011, it's been most noted for the, the, the great run game, good uh, high yards per, per carry, a lot of luminary backs, uh, mm. Mr. McCaffrey being one of them, but Bryce Love after that, and some, some big guys in Shaw's early years. Toby Gerhardt was a Heisman uh, runner-up. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's David Shaw will will run 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 run. Now it's not you know run first down run second down play action third down, but but he will run is what he believes in, and that's what Stanford will strive to do first. And then what he's also noted for is late in games if Stanford has a lead, it's it's run all the time. So David Shaw is run first, and I don't imagine anything will change about the approach tonight. John, another thing I noticed about this matchup, this is the first meeting ever between these two teams, and, and it's only the eighth time that the Cardinal have faced an SEC opponent. Last time they faced an SEC team that is in the conference now, the 1992 Pigskin Classic, where Texas A&M held on to beat Stanford 10-7. to So um, obviously th this, this doesn't happen a whole lot with Stanford, so this is a rare occurrence, uh, but could that provide some motivation for the Cardinal where they're kind of looking at this saying, hey, Let's go out and beat an SEC team on the road. I, 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 there's, there's no question, Billy, that there's, there's use to this. It's an SEC opponent and one that I think Stanford fans have respect for, for other sports as well as for football, right? The, the, there have been some baseball yeah. games uh, back 2014. I remember that su Super Regional here that was, that was really exciting. And Stanford has played other SEC teams in Super Regionals, uh, Mississippi State a couple of years ago. So Stanford fans are well acquainted with uh, the – shine of, of SEC sports. And so this, this one has extra, extra oomph. And I think also because as everybody knows, Vanderbilt's in that cluster of schools at Stanford, I think really competes again against for, for talent, uh, just like Vanderbilt recruits nationally. So does Stanford and you've got your Northwestern, your Duke, as well as Stanford and, and, and Vanderbilt. And so I think there's extra, the coaches, the coaches won't admit this, but I, I, they know that the recruiting pools of the two schools are similar. So you know, I think for the coaches, there's extra focus tonight. All right, let's talk about the quarterback, Tanner McKee. He is a very interesting uh, quarterback, obviously a very talented guy, um, but he made the switch, Coach Shaw did, from uh, West over uh, to Tanner McKee after that, uh, that first game of the season. What can you tell us about what went into that decision, and then what should Vanderbilt fans know about uh, Tanner McKee? Uh, well, Tanner McKee is a Southern California kid. He's uh, tall, six foot six. 
uh, sophomore by by college years, but he did a church mission out of, out of high school for two years. So he's four years now out of high school. Um, both he and Jack West alternated in the in Stanford's opener two weeks ago, the 24-7 loss to Kansas State, a game played in Dallas. And, you know, I, I admire Coach Shaw for a lot of reasons, but but one of which is he, he, he gives the upperclassmen a, a chance to compete for jobs when even when others may say, hey, the guy that's younger should be the guy. And so they, they both had a chance to, to show their skills in the Kansas State game. Tanner McKee outplayed Jack West in that game and therefore earned the start in game number two last week against USC. And Billy McKee was terrific. In fact, that was a game, I mentioned that Stanford seeks to run first and Stanford could not run against SC out of the gate. And Tanner McKee showed Stanford fans it was a bit of a hearkening back to John Elway 40 years ago, my, wow. my time in college, uh, downfield throws. I mean, Stanford's offense uh, clicked last week because of the pass game, not because of the run game. 16-23 was McKee for 234 yards, two touchdowns. He's got some tall receivers, Billy, uh, and uh, he, and McKee is is good at, at down what we call downfield throws, which I, I'm sure you know what they are. It's not just sort of dink and dunk stuff, but mm -hmm. outside the numbers toward the sideline. So McKee has, has, has flashed that, that skill, um, and all the receivers are averaging more than you know, double-digit yards per catch. So his ability to, to see over linemen, to throw the ball accurately downfield, at least through you know, a limited sample size of the one game at USC, I think has Stanford fans excited. So he's a, he's a thrower, Billy, not, not terribly mobile. There's not going to be a lot of RPO, but it's going to be you know, three-step, five-step, seven-step drops to tall receivers and generally, you know, down the field for chains moving throws. All right, let's switch it over to Vanderbilt uh, here, John. Uh, obviously, with film, Coach Shaw has to look at that defensive line and the length uh, that they showed against Colorado State. And, you know, that's something that Coach Lee obviously wants to see a lot more of, especially against a guy at, at the height of 6'6", like Tanner McKee. So that could be a matchup to watch. But a little deeper on Vanderbilt, who are some players uh, through your research that uh, could cause some problems potentially for Stanford on Saturday night? Well, I looked at the Vanderbilt offense, and, and again, Stanford, um, you look at the statistics, and, and this was uh, what appeared last year and has appeared through the first games this year, is, is if you can run against Stanford, uh, you can have success. And uh, I look at Ramon Davis, the, the transfer from, from Temple, um, you know, who's uh, had good stats uh, you know, for the Owls and is, I think is starting to find his way uh, against 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 a power five schedule i think stanford is is concerned about shoring up that aspect of, of its defensive play but if vanderbilt can run i think that could challenge uh, the cardinal you know uh, obviously the, the the quarterback seals who can throw it. and of course the receivers um i'm interested to see what they can do i've seen a bit of tape on them but it, it just seems that, that there's enough of them that that do productive things that if vanderbilt can can exercise a balance of of run and pass, uh, you know, uh, it could be a high scoring game and, and a highly competitive game. Yeah, and we, uh, we'll get your prediction on that one a little bit later. But I, I want to dive into earlier this week, uh, I, Vanderbilt fans have made a lot of Coach Shaw's comments in his presser. Um, Coach, um, Coach Shaw obviously is, has been there for a while, he's established a tremendous culture there. And, and you know, you, you could are you I don't even think it's really an argument. They are at the top of that Northwestern Duke 
um, you know, kind of mold of teams at, at that level. So what did you take of, of his of his comments, essentially uh, stating that, you know, Stanford is, is the best academic school at that level and they are able uh, to grab a, a larger pool of players from from a more you know national perspective? Uh, what were your thoughts on that? And, and how far do you think the drop off is from Stanford and Northwestern Duke and even Vanderbilt coming back up here with with Coach Lee? Well, I, I think. First of all, I was at the the, the, pre, the presser, the Zoom presser, as we as we do these days, and so I, I I heard the I heard the the comments, but I sort of examined the tone and context. David Shaw is very very proud of the school he went to, as as Coach Lee should be. I mean, I think it's great that Vanderbilt hired one of its own, and I think that's gonna that's gonna help Vanderbilt going forward. There's not that many schools that have, uh, you know, an alum, a former player, uh, you know, heading running the ship. Uh, you know, that said, David Shaw is fiercely proud of Stanford. He loves Stanford. His dad was assistant coach twice uh, at Stanford, once the second time when David was a, a receiver there. So Shaw is, is, is very, very proud of Stanford you know, and, and defends it. And, and he's got a record that, that, that he can stand up to. Right. I mean, Stanford has been to three Rose Bowls, uh, been to an Orange Bowl, been to a Fiesta Bowl. I mean, Stanford's had a scintillating record, uh, you know, certainly the, la- the last decade. And so Shaw. Uh, I think rightly touts that he uses that in recruiting. Uh, my my opinion is a little different than the coaches in the sense that just like I, when I hear five star, four star, I sort of roll my eyes. Uh, I, I want to see the player against against same competition. Some high school guys play against lesser competition, so I just I kind of roll my eyes when I three star versus five star. And in the same way, when you make distinctions between Vanderbilt outstanding. Universities. Stanford has lost to Northwestern, lost the opener in 2015 when it went on to to go 12 and two and smoke uh, Iowa in the Rose Bowl, in what should have been Christian McCaffrey's Heisman year. I'm biased there, but um, I just I don't think I don't think there's a lot of difference, uh, really. Certainly academically, this list has this one two and six, and that one has this one these two schools four and and the I mean you know you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of universities in the in this great country and you know if you're in the top 10 in some order i, I don't think it matters much um vanderbilt football again I, you know we know coach lee from notre dame he did a great job there and i think i think it's nothing but up for vanderbilt yeah and we'll see if there's any movement in that u.s news academic ranking uh, after whoever wins this game uh that's been something that teams that uh, people have talked about but john i want to i want to ask you a little bit more about this matchup in particular and the you know the point in the season it's at for stanford of course they're one and one could you dive in a little bit deeper with this game and and kind of analyze how how this game is is being looked at from a Stanford fans point of view and and you know you could argue it's a could be a potential trap opportunity because they play UCLA next weekend two years ago David Shaw had his first down year Stanford was four and eight after all the prior years of the Shaw tenure being bowl games and and more wins than losses by an appreciable margin um I think for Stanford fans, uh, it, every win now is precious, again, given two years ago. But I think the excitement surrounds Tanner McKee. I mean, I think Tanner McKee is the is is the player that Stanford fans are going to hone in on in this game. Um, the USC game really was surprising. I mean, Stanford was a double double digit underdog and they and they manhandled USC. I you know, I've been going I, I'm the son of two USC alums, so I've been going to USC games going back to the 1970s. And I. I, very few SC, USC teams I remember, um, other than the quarterback, who I think is a first-round draft pick, Keaton Slovis. But the the skill players 
were not what I'm used to seeing from USC. So I, I do think some of what happened last week in the 42-28 Stanford win was I think SC sort of going through some stuff and some of the recruiting penalties that they suffered coming home to roost a, a little bit. But uh, that said, McKee was terrific, better than I think a lot of us thought, Billy. I mean, again, he it was his first start. He was confident. He was throwing the ball again, not just not just five and seven yard stuff slants, but it was it was down the field outside the numbers and completing pass after pass. Stanford won the game really with a pass offense. And that's not something we've said uh, during the Shaw regime. And in fact, um, one of the concerns of Stanford is to get the getting the run game going. NASC has a good USC has a good front seven. Kansas State had a real good scheme against Stanford's run game. Uh, Austin Jones is the primary back for Stanford. Uh, he's, he, he has yet to get going. Um, but I think if Stanford, you know, gives, you know, produces the same sort of pass game they did last week against USC, the run game will open up. I think for Stanford tomorrow, the threat for Vanderbilt is a big number offensively. Um, I do think Vanderbilt's going to score more than Stanford fans think. So I think the hope for Vanderbilt is you know, let's 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 make this a high scoring thing. Let's let's win the turnover battle, perhaps, um, because I do think Stanford's offense. I think the guy I think the players and coaches, I think, were surprised almost themselves by how good the offense was against, a, you know, a, a good USC defense. I mentioned the struggles for USC on offense, but defensively, SC has some veterans, has some some some, some dudes and Stanford put a 47 on them or excuse me, a 42 on them. So I think that Stanford coaches and players think they're going to score tomorrow. And, and I think they will with a balance of rest of run and pass. All right, John, it's time for predictions. Let me set the table here for you. Vanderbilt and Stanford seven o'clock kickoff here in Nashville. Stanford is a 12 point favorite. Um, what is your prediction? Stanford Vanderbilt uh, tomorrow night. Well, I'm going to, again, I, I do think Stanford, the, the, the energy on offense was palpable in the game against USC. And I don't see Stanford not putting up, a healthy number of points. Um, I do think Vanderbilt's going to going to score as well. So I'm I'll, I'll go 38-24 Cardinal. But again, okay. you know, a, a tip pass or a, or a, or, a, or a fumble, and maybe you got 31-31 going to overtime. But I do think both teams score over 20 points tomorrow night. There you have it, John Platts expecting a high-scoring game tomorrow night. John, thanks for coming on. Enjoy uh, your your time here in Nashville, and good luck with your coverage tomorrow on the Cardinal Radio Network. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much. Thank, thank you for having me on the door, door report. And let's have a great uh, game tomorrow night. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And that'll do it for episode 107 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Big thanks to our special guest on today's pod, John Platts, the color analyst for Stanford football on the Cardinal Radio Network, as he gave us the inside scoop on the Cardinal heading into Saturday night's matchup between Vanderbilt and Stanford. Thanks to Will Byram, my co-host as always. For myself, Billy Derrick, John Platts, and Will Byram, you've been listening to episode 107 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.